Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. I am grateful that you're joining me on this episode. I want to do something different on this episode. I'll explain that here in just a second, but uh, I'm glad you're here. And if this is the first time you're joining me on the podcast, then welcome. Super grateful for you as a first-time listener and for everybody who makes the Bible and life a part of their life. My heart and my goal in this is to help all of us follow Jesus better by being deeply rooted in the Word of God. And I try to do that by just teaching the text in simple, everyday, down-to-earth language, connected to everyday life so that we can be people who really are rooted in the text and follow Jesus right in the midst of our everyday life. So thanks for being here, and thanks for joining me on this particular episode. Let me tell you what I'm doing on this episode. Something just different, a little bit uh, of fun, and I would love your feedback on it if you got any. But um, my daughter, she's in her early 20s. She's got a couple small kids at home, and uh, she just really committed this year to saying, okay, even though I got small kids and life is a little crazy, I'm going to figure out a way to make sure I'm consistently reading my Bible. So she's actually been reading through the entire New Testament, and she's been doing it like this. She uh, puts her kids in uh, the chair at the table and gives them their breakfast, and while they sit there and eat their breakfast, she sits there and she reads a couple chapters out of the Bible. I think, man, what a win-win, right? The kids uh, actually see mom taking the Bible seriously and reading the Bible, and it's just a great way while they're contained and doing something for her to read the Bible as well. And she's been blitzing through the New Testament with that strategy. In fact, she's at the book of Hebrews. And the way this plays out then is typically she reads a couple chapters and she sends a text to me, dad, and says, I got questions. And then I call her up on the phone. We talk on the phone and we have a 20, 30 minute conversation where I answer her Bible questions and have a little Bible study together. We have been doing that uh, since January, since she started really this commitment to work through the entire New Testament uh, this year. And, and so I thought, you know, it might just be kind of fun to record one of those conversations and let you in on my daughter and I's uh, morning little Bible study as we process just some of the questions she has. So they're random, they're detailed little questions from her Bible reading. And so this episode is her questions. Actually, we didn't talk yesterday on the phone. And so it's her questions on Hebrews chapters 3, 4, 5, and 6. And she just has a handful of simple little questions that then we discuss and we talk about out of those chapters. And so I offer this conversation to you as uh, just uh, something that I think is helpful. It's been a really a fun experience with me and my daughter, and it's helped her grow in not only her understanding of specific passages, but she would say it's helped her grow in her understanding of how to read the Bible well, the kinds of things to pay attention to and to think about as she reads the text. A couple little notes. Uh, the quality of the recording is not like perfect. Um, I think it's good enough and it's clear enough that you can hear and you can understand. Uh, my side is much clearer, obviously, than hers. So just note that. The second thing to pay attention to is um, that this is a real conversation on the phone. And she's got kids in the background. And, uh, and so sometimes she'll actually pause and she'll have to address her kids as we're talking about things. And so here it is, warts and all, real conversation between me and my daughter as we talk through some questions out of Hebrews chapters 3 through 6. Okay, I have a couple questions. Uh, let's see. 
don't remember. Because I actually didn't put a verse for this one. What did I read yesterday? Oh, I read three and four. Okay. It's probably somewhere in there. Let's see. Mm, oh, okay. I think it was mentioned a few times, but the one I can find is verse 13, where it says, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today, so that then you may be heard by some deceitfulness. He talks about today weird. What does he mean by that? Yeah, the reason he like, talks... Because he did it a few times. That right. one like, makes it almost seem like just in the present moment. But there was another time where it seemed even weirder. Yeah, that's right. And the reason is because of that Old Testament passage that he just quoted before that. Yeah. And so, notice how the Old Testament passage begins with today. Today, if you hear his voice. So, all he's doing is connecting what he's saying to the the original readers, that Old Testament passage, with the word today. So, just like they needed to listen to God's voice back in the Old Testament, well, now in their day and age, they need to listen to God today. So, that's Mm -hmm. the reason for the emphasizing the word today. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. He just seemed to make it weird. So. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's purely because he's connecting it to the word today. Like, yeah, according to this yeah. psalm, they needed to hear God's voice in their day, and today you need to hear God's voice and listen to it and obey it in your day. Yeah. Got you. Okay. Yeah. Um. Four, eight through 11. Why are you playing music here? Oh, okay. Um, let's see. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not, have, would not have spoken later about another day. There remains in a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works. This is God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Which is kind of a confusing section, I felt like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and again, he's still commenting on that Old Testament passage and applying it to their life. Yeah, because right before that, he like quoted that again. Yeah. And so basically, he's doing what any good preacher would do. He's quoted an Old Testament passage, and now he keeps re- referencing back to it. And then he's applying it to their specific circumstances. And so... They didn't enter God's rest because of their disobedience, and thus they died in the wilderness. He's talking about that generation, right, of the Exodus who didn't get to go into the promised land. And mm-hmm. and that's what that psalm is about that he quoted. And so now he's taking that and he's saying, just like with those people, and they disobeyed, and thus they didn't enter God's rest, well... There still remains a promised rest for the people of God. So you need to make sure you listen and you obey so that you'll enter into God's rest as well. <coughs> now, the question in, in chapter 4 that's a little confusing, and actually scholars are somewhat divided on it, is, mm-hmm. is he talking about like some sort of present experience of God's rest in the Christian life? Mm-hmm. Like when Jesus says in Matthew 11, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So is he talking about that kind of rest or is he talking about like the ultimate day of rest when we enter into eternity? And, and, you know, because like oftentimes the promised land in the Old Testament is a symbol or picture of the final state, you know, when the new heavens and the new earth and we enter into the final rest. So scholars are somewhat divided on exactly what he's talking about. And 
this almost I feel like does make it seem like there's some rest in like heaven or the new earth or something. Yeah. It talks about the perishing, which you know, I don't know, it just makes it seem like that, this verse at least, but No, me. I know, you're right. And and so I kind of feel like um he yeah, he's pointing forward to the future, right? And looking forward to yeah. that. And so maybe, you know, there's an experience of rest now, certainly. Jesus tells us that Matthew eleven, but there's an ultimate resting from all our labors on, on that final day when we enter into eternity. I think so. we would all deserve it to survive this. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean so verse 10 there, right? For the person who has entered his rest has rested from his own works just as God did from him. That could be present tense, like right now, but it probably is referring to our final and ultimate rest, particularly when it says in verse 11, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will yeah. fall into the same pattern of disobedience. So, Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <clears throat> Okay, well, that was yesterday. Okay. <laughs> Today is... Yes, Riley. Yeah, you can get on that couch now. That's fine. Joe ended up sleeping on the couch because literally we have been in bed like 10 minutes. And he had sn started snoring three times. And I would sit there and wait. And he wouldn't stop. And I couldn't go to sleep. So I literally woken him up three times. And I was like, Joseph, like, this is going to be miserable for both of us. Yeah. You kicked him out, man. That's how it begins. That's how it begins. It's so bad. Anyway. Okay, what is the order of Melchizedek? It is that is one of the most interesting passages there, right? In Hebrews chapter five. I know I've heard that like phrase before, you know, like, like it's not like a new word to me. Yeah. I guess it's just, I mean, I haven't really read Hebrew that much. Yeah. And so I'm like, I feel like it's like, oh, like I really don't know what that is, even though it's like not all that unfamiliar to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and we've said this before, but like whenever you come across uh, Old Testament text in the New Testament, what should you do? go back and read it in the Old Testament context, right? And try to yeah. figure it out there and see what its original meaning is there and then figure out how the New Testament author is applying it to their situation. So once again, he's quoting an Old Testament passage there in Hebrews chapter 5. Makes sense, mm -hmm. right? He's writing to Jews. So um, so he says, yeah. you are my son, today I have begot begotten you, or today I have become your father. He also says in another place, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And yes. so... He is quoting Psalm 110. Yes. Um, and he is now once again connecting this to Jesus. So Psalm 110 is one of the most well-known, well, uh, most quoted psalms in the entire New Testament. Yeah. Um, and you could see why. Yeah, and you could see why. You know, you are my son. Today I've begotten you. It's a reference to the uh, you know the Davidic king the the king that sits on mm -hmm. David's throne the Davidic dynasty but it seems to be and even Jews pre Jesus took it as a reference to the ultimate and final Davidic king the Messiah and mm -hmm. and hence the reason it makes sense then that the New Testament authors apply it to Jesus right 
Yeah. Well, in the middle of that psalm, it has this line, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. Mm -hmm. So then it's like, well, what the heck are we talking about there, right? Yeah, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you can see that, you know, in the following verses, he applies it to Jesus, right? Although he was yeah. a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. He was perfected and he was declared by God a high priest according to the order. Order of Melchizedek. Verse 11 then yeah. says, we have more to say about this. It's difficult to explain. That's why you're asking, yeah. it, right? <laughs> yeah, but then, then he kind of gives a little slam since you've become too lazy to understand. So, yeah. <laughs> but he's going to come back to that in, uh, let's see, I think it's chapter seven. Yeah. Chapter seven, he'll come back and then he'll explain the whole Melchizedek thing in more detail. So in a couple chapters, yeah. when you get there, I guess tomorrow, maybe, when you get there, he'll talk more about Mel yeah. Melchizedek, and he'll actually recall the Melchizedek story from the book of Genesis. Okay. So he's going to interact with this idea from Psalm uh, 110 about Jesus being a special order of priest after the order of Melchizedek, and it derives from a story in the book of Genesis. And so the author of Hebrews will actually recall that story to jog our memories of that story in chapter mm -hmm. 7. That's what he's going to do. And gotcha. in a nutshell, what and happens... Then, like he, I guess, compares him to Jesus later in chapter 7, it looks like? Yeah, yep. Says so why he's like him? Okay. Yeah, and the reason he's primarily like him is that he rose from the nice. dead. Okay. And so Melchizedek is this interesting figure that shows up in the book of Genesis when Abraham um, comes to what is now Jerusalem... Um, it's referenced here as king of Salem. Not doesn't have the Jeru; it just has the Salem, right? Um, so this Melchizedek was the 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 city king for the the city of Salem or Jerusalem. He was also mm -hmm. a priest. And when when Abraham comes back from this defeating of the kings in the region of Sodom and Gomorrah, right? The five kings of the plain. He comes back from that with the spoils of war. He actually pay, play, pays tithes to Melchizedek on his return. And, and so Melchizedek just shows up in the story for this brief moment. And his parentage, his heritage, his lineage, right? None of that is mentioned. We, we know he's obviously not from the line of Levi, because Levi hasn't been born yet, right? We're dealing with Abraham. Yeah. So, so he's not a Levitical priest. And that's the point yeah. of connection. So he's not a Levitical priest, just like Jesus isn't from the tribe of Levi. And then Melchizedek just goes out of the story, and we don't know what happens to him, and his death is never mentioned. And thus, he sort of like lives forever, sort of symbolically. And, mm -hmm. and so then the author of Hebrews says, and that's like Jesus, who literally lives forever. And so the priesthood of Melchizedek then in both the Psalm, Psalm 110, and then in the book of Hebrews becomes sort of a pattern for Jesus, a priest from a different tribe and a priest who has the power of an indestructible life. Interesting. Yeah. So more will be said about that when he, he gets yeah. to chapter seven, but that at least kind of gets yeah. you started on it. Interesting. Yeah. So you, you can always go back and read the story of Melchizedek in the book of Genesis just to familiarize yourself. Hey, Wes. That's 50. Wes. You can use it, honey. I gave it to you. I don't use it to use it anymore. Wes, that's... No. No, you be nice. That is 50 stuff. 
That is this he stuff, okay? If you need to, Bray, you can go sit at the table. Uh, <clears throat> okay. I have one last question. Which is, oh yeah, four for six. It says it's impossible for those who have once been enlightened to have tasted the heavenly gifts, who have shared the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the power of the command, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. They're lost. They're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. <laughs> Which <laughs> I think is weird to say. For one, that verse seems to disprove the idea of once saved, always saved. Yeah. two, it's like to say like you can't, you know, have all that, fall away, and then come back. Right. Like, I feel like we all know people where it's like, okay, they had all that. They went on this little side trip over there being worldly. <laughs> and then they like were like, oh, that's not good, you know, which I think is just interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, no, you're right. And this is one of those... This is a very notorious passage in the book of Hebrews that is uh, challenging, like really yeah. challenging because, yeah, like what is actually like, what does it mean? It's impossible to renew them to repentance. That's challenging. Yeah. And then obviously, depending on your theological bent, right, it refers to those who have fallen away. And so, you know, obviously you have those of a more reformed background who are like, but people, real believers can't really fall away. You have those of more of an Arminian background, right? Like, it's like, well, no, this is one of those texts that says they can fall away. So it is uh, it's a challenging text. Um, and, um, yeah, so you'll find, like, if you're, I mean, you'll find some really bad readings of it, to be honest. Yeah. So, for example, I listened to a preacher a number of years ago who who basically said, you know, these guys were never Christians, right? They only tasted the heavenly gift. They hadn't really actually, you know, they just took a little sample of it. They hadn't really ingested it, yada, yada, yada. And, and because we know real... You're in the Holy Spirit. You don't get the Holy Spirit unless you're actually a believer. See, you're thinking clearly, <laughs> right? <laughs> who shared in the Holy Spirit. And not only that, earlier on in Hebrews, it t talks about Jesus tasting death. Yeah. Well, did he just sample it or did he actually experience the, right? Like the phrase tasting yeah. is a Hebrewism, right? For uh, experiencing, like to taste something is to ingest it, to take it into yourself, to experience it. So, yeah. um, so, I mean, in other words, the author has done everything he can to say these people like, like they were enlightened. They experienced the heavenly gift. They shared in the Holy Spirit, right? They, they like ingested God's good word and the powers of the coming age and then fallen away. Um, you know, yeah. so I feel like he's done everything to say, like, for all intents and purposes, these guys, like, they were believers, right? Yeah. So a more balanced reading, like, so you could say a more moderate reformed reading would be like, yeah, like they, they had all the appearances. They were involved in the church. They were serving in the church, right? They were connected to God. They, um, And so they would say, from our limited vantage point, they were believers. But, you know, God knew that they would never stick around. Yeah. However we deal with that, right? The point is, is there are people who come to faith in Jesus, right? And they, yeah. they evidence real faith. They really get involved. They're there for a little while. And then for some reason... They walk away from it all. Yeah. 
I don't know how we want to account that, right? Like in God's foreknowledge and in the, in the, uh, you know, like God's book of life. And I mean, right. The reality is that happens. That's what, and, and in the context of the book of Hebrews, he's talking about people, Jews who came to faith in Jesus as their Messiah. And then for whatever reason, were being compelled to return back to Judaism and reject Jesus and his messiahship and his sacrifice for their sins. Yeah. And so that's why he says, like, they're, they're crucifying again the Son of God and holding him up to open shame, right? It's like they're, they're basically doing the same thing the Jews did when they crucified Jesus the first time. They're rejecting him as their messiah and they're crucifying him all over again. Yeah. And so in their choice to walk away from Jesus as their Messiah, they're effectively doing the same thing. Um, in fact, he'll, in chapter 10, he'll, chapter 10, verse 26, he'll say that, um, like, when people do that, that there's no other sacrifice for sins. Like, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for sins. So if you're going to reject his sacrifice, you're out of options, right? Like, there, there aren't any other sacrifices for you, right? So, yeah. so it seems like he's making pretty clear that these people, um, to all appearances and in every single way, seemed like they were genuine believers and they experienced the Spirit of God and they took in God's Word and now they've walked away from it all and they're rejecting Jesus. They've got nothing left, right? So then, yeah. so it does seem like he's talking about that. And then he says, well, you know what? It's impossible to renew them to repentance. So what does he mean by that? Yeah. <laughs> um, and again, that's challenging. And um, I don't know that I have the full answer on that. Here's something I've always. Yeah, confusing. It is. Here's something I've always wondered, though. And again, I, 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 I it's not a hill I'm going to die on. I can't totally prove this. But a question I ask is, well, it's impossible. From whose end? Is it mm -hmm. saying, like, God could never welcome them back if they repent? Or is it saying that it's impossible for us to do anything to renew them to repentance? Mm -hmm. Like, what more can we say? Right? Like, what more can we do? Like, Jesus died for them. They accepted it. They know all that. Right? Mm -hmm. You know? And, you know, I'm thinking of, like, maybe even, like, your cousin. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? He knows all that. He grew up with all of that. And what can, what can I do? What can you do? I mean, we can pray for him. We can love him. But at some point, he has to decide if he's going to repent or not, right? Which cousin? Jonathan. <laughs> okay. I was like, I mean, I was like, I figured you were going to say about Jonathan and Peter. I thought you were talking about Jonathan, but I was like, I mean, it could be Peter. It seems like he's trying right now, at least. But there have also been little stints where he's tried. And not yeah, Peter, yeah. So yeah. I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, I know. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, so I, I like, I, I don't, I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent certain that, I mean, because God seems more than willing mean to welcome people back. I mean, even Jesus said, right. Like if someone, you know, sins against you and, and repents, forgive him. How many times Lord? 70 times seven, which is a symbolic mm -hmm. way of saying as many times as necessary. Right. Yeah. So it seems like God is more than willing to grant forgiveness and do that. And so that makes me wonder if we're talking about the impossibility is on our side, not on God's side. Give it back to him. Give it back to him. 
No. Do you have it? Give it back. No. Thank you. Sorry. No. So I was saying that it's, so it just makes me wonder if the impossibility is on our side, not God's mm-hmm. side. Like, what more can I do? They've, they've tasted it all. They, they've experienced yeah. it all. There's nothing more I can do, nothing more I can say other than just continue to live the faith and love them as best as I can, pray for them. But mm-hmm. the, there's, there's, not, there's, no new, there's nothing new to say, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so if someone goes that route, they've effectively hardened their heart against the Messiah while it's going to take their own change of heart. Yeah. That's kind of what I wonder, right? But Yeah, well, that would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, it's but I, I, yeah, yeah. So that's just yeah. that's sort of where I've landed on that. But again, I hold that kind of loosely, and and they're mm-hmm. like, hmm, I still chew on that one a little bit. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. Hard passage. Yeah. Well, you know, when I get to uh, the commentary on Hebrews, maybe later this fall, then uh, ha, I'll have to. Really, yeah. I'll have to give all the details on it, but you'll have to have like more complete thoughts or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I've taught it. I, I taught this yeah. for I don't know ten years at the college. So I guess it was in every other year class. So I taught it like five years or six times or something like that. But so I've really wrestled with it, and I've kind of gone back and forth, and I just haven't, I haven't totally settled on anything. But that's kind of where I, I lean. Yeah. 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 All right, well, I'm going to record a listener's commentary this morning, and yeah, well, I got to send fun. stuff to Jessica for the sermon on Sunday, so. Cool. Yeah, but I hope you yeah. have a good morning, and hope you and the kids have a good day. Yeah, you too. All right, I love you. All right, love you. All right, see you later. All right, okay, bye. Bye. All right, there you have it. Some interesting thoughts on the book of Hebrews and a good conversation with my daughter. So, hey, thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Thanks to all of you who make the Bible and Life possible by your generosity, your prayers, and your faithful support. May God bless you for it. And I pray that you have a great week in Christ as you continue to read the word, uh, walk with Jesus, and follow him right in the midst of your everyday life. God bless you guys. I look forward to talking to you again next week. 